Yo, yo, Chad, you there? I'm here. What's up? How's it going? Hey, I'm good, man. Just uh, just us today. Uh, Chad Barford is out. But a bunch of interesting stuff to discuss today. And the new uh, Q3 ThorChain update, a uh, pinned tweet on the top of the space here that was just put out. We can go through some of those updates. Hey, did you check that out yet? I did, yeah. I was looking through it uh, just a little bit ago. Um, but yeah, there's some cool stuff to get through. Uh, we'll hold it down without big Chad B and, uh, I don't know, maybe we can still open it up for questions later and just hang out for a bit, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I figure like if anyone wants to come up at any point, just hit the request button and we'll just let people up, uh, whenever, instead of, you know, breaking the flow of the regular conversations, it's just us. If, if anyone has yeah. like random, random questions or whatever, uh, I, I want to talk a bit today about protocol on liquidity because that's kind of the next thing that's coming up with single-sided yield and that those things are being tested hard right now. So uh, we, we can go over some of the dynamics of protocol on liquidity and kind of uh, like what happens uh, when protocol on liquidity does things. Like what are what are the effects of, of protocol on liquidity? So we can go through that. Uh, we'll go through the, the Q3 update. Uh, people want like another thing, like one of the big things this week, I guess, has been... Uh, that uh, uh, you know that FTX bill on crypto re- uh, regulation and uh, Eric Voorhees' response to that. So I figure we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, so yeah, did you catch that? Yeah, sounds like a sounds like a good list. Um, yeah, I looked through. I haven't been going super deep on that stuff, but I like kind of skimmed the SBF thread and skimmed the the Voorhees article. Seems. Uh, Seems like a bit of a shit show, <laughs> but yeah, definitely we can we can chat some of that. Basically, like I mean, my my. Do you want to get into that now or or save that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we we start talking about it now, I guess. Sure. Yeah. I mean the. It's just like it's kind of I, I mean SBF's take is kind of weird, right? I mean it just feels like it it just feels very non crypto, like very like the antithesis to a lot of the things that like we that make us so excited about the space and sovereignty and and freedom and just like uh you know openness right and like this kind of just feels so in the face of that and i guess it's just his i mean i think he's just thinking from the the side of fdx of course and this is all just you know my personal like quick take (laughs) but i remember hearing something like a couple years back that always kind of stuck with me with sdf was that he was like yeah yeah i just like do I just do crypto stuff because like that's where I think the most money is. And I was like, Oh, okay. So it's not really about the, might not necessarily be about like the ideals and the, and the philosophies as much for him. Um, but I thought one, one point from the Voorhees response that really, really stuck out to me was how he was saying like, uh, like here are my points if to SBF, here are my points. If you're considering like the, the principal side, and if you're considering your self-interested side, realize that the people that support you are principled. And I thought that like really kind of was like, damn, that's a, that's a big point because you know I could definitely see like the crypto space kind of rallying against them. Maybe the the mainstream crypto space may not care so much, but the you know the real crypto space would. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I think I think the meat of it is like people are unhappy with the with the way that it kind of leaves DeFi and and it all but it all on on the positive side it seems like he's open, like you know the, the people who are writing the, this bill and God only knows if this this thing is going to actually like even ever see the light of day or even get a get a vote on it right uh, but it, it's just interesting because it's kind of like at, at the forefront of like you know in the forefront of the space for for crypto regulation so. Uh, what one interesting thing that uh, Eric talked about was like, uh, you know, blacklists and, uh, you know, obviously that's like a pretty contentious topic and like enforcing them on the, like basically the front end layer of things, like, ha- like being able to voluntarily blacklist someone, but not like compulsory saying like, oh yes, this protocol, like blacklisting at the protocol level versus blacklisting at the at the voluntary front end level it's like you know a very very rational and well well reasoned argument of like not censoring uh transactions and addresses at the base protocol level but if uh it it, let's say a front end wants to stop a you know hacked funds from trading through their front end then they have every right right to do so so it's just very like things that are like more more common sense to us that are 
you know, in, in this space all day. Like that stuff like that really seems to make sense to me. Uh, but, you know, these regulators come from like a completely different background and don't really understand the like the, the principles of things. You know, this isn't like, uh, you know, this is a completely new, uh, a new way of doing things, especially like in the in the door chain realm, like we, we, we kind of do operate in this in this area of there's uh, a quote from Eric economy of laws and, and not men. Uh, neutral objective foundation for economic arrangement, which future generations will thank us for. And I thought that was that was a, a great point by him because, like, you know, uh, at, at least what's being like. Obviously, we can't speak for everything that's being built in other ecosystems, but the uh, you know permissionless uh, censorship resistant platform of Thorchain is especially important to, to the space. And that, you know, it, it is governed of, of laws of, of, of code and not by, you know, any organization or uh, specific individual or, or group, right? So uh, I thought that that was a great point there into showing that, you know, kind of what we all believe in that it, it's a uh, De- DeFi is just a free economy that we can participate in and it's governed by by, by code and by, by by nodes, not by uh, not by individuals writing laws. So, uh, I, hopefully, that's something they consider when they they're thinking about this. Another thing you touched on a bit was the uh, Bank Secrecy Act, which is something that that like I, I've talked to them a, a little bit about. Um, and yeah, Bank, Bank Secrecy Act is kind of interesting because that's kind of that, that's that's what uh, defines what a a financial intermediary is and that's a super legal gray area especially when it comes to exchanges and, and things because uh, that, that's what requires uh these K, these uh, a, a, uh kyc anti-money laundering practices is this bank secrecy act that requires financial intermediaries to report that information to uh you know the relevant uh government authorities right so uh, whether de- decentralized protocols even fall under the Bank Secrecy Act is a, like a very, uh, you know, does that does that framework make sense? When was that framework made the, in the, the mid nineteenth century? Uh, so it, it's very very strange to me. And, and the other thing is obviously uh, whether you were rec- so in with the Bank Secrecy Act is whether you require uh, KYC to retail facing front end so like obviously that would include things like 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 uniswap like a uniswap front end um but it, it, there isn't i don't know it, it seems like it's kind of like a uh it's an attempt to compromise where it's like you know that the the regulators are going to want censorship at some level so you have to kind of arbitrarily pick which level to censor on and that was just what what fell uh where it fell in, in the bill so i'm, I'm not sure like whether it's because like, oh yeah, they're going to need censorship on some level. So we're just going to fall on the front ends to, to do that. It is kind of where that lied or kind of what principles uh, led the, uh, led the bill to, to be like, uh, to be like that, how it is. But uh, I thought that was an interesting and interesting point that, you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense from like the principles, like the, like the ground, the ground level of the logic there, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a good point, like the nuance of front end versus at the blockchain level. Because, yeah, with this like secrecy act, and I don't know a whole lot about that, but it's like, yeah, who's going to do the reporting? Uh, like freaking Ethereum? <laughs> like, it does, I, I don't really get it. Um, whereas like with the with with front end censoring, it's like, OK, well, then you could have which this is something we've talked about for, for such a long time. Like you'd have different front end interfaces with like their own sets of requirements, their own kind of like rules, like. One interface might try to be as by the book as possible. Everything is completely like very much in the regulatory framework, and then there's other interfaces that are like a bit off off the beaten path. Uh, so maybe right. that's and, where and, it are you going to yeah. say like ThorSwap has to report uh, suspicious transactions that happen on, on ThorChain, or like you know, they, they, like there's this whole right. area that's just like not not covered at all there which is just, I don't know, it, it just, it, it seems like a huge oversight and not something that like a regulator would like know that that is an issue because they just don't understand how these like systems work. Right. <laughs> so. They need a lot more education because you're right. It's like, okay, so if you're, if you're putting the, if you're putting the responsibility onto the front end, well, the front end isn't actually 
you know, doing those transactions, right? It's not actually in control of that. Like, like you said with ThorSwap, it's like, well, these these transact like Thor, ThorSwap is just a, it's just facilitating that. But it's but these things are happening at the on the blockchain level. And like, who's gonna who's gonna say that 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 ThorSwap in this example is yeah. responsible for that stuff that's happening? And th- there was another point in, in Eric's uh, response to this uh, about the about about OFAC and you know just actually uh, you know basically making it illegal to interact with people uh, like citizens of the of the country of Iran and how that disenfranchises millions of people and uh, obviously that's that's bad for you know global financial inclusion which inclusion which is the uh, you know just one of the the the, the goals of, of crypto as a whole i guess so uh i thought that, that that was that was a good point and like something that it like is very like black and white on both of these like two sides of the argument where it's like you know one is very like uh, you need to respect respect okay and it's like no like uh you know we, we we don't we don't need we shouldn't respect uh it, these laws which you know basically say like you know if you're citizens of of certain countries uh you shouldn't be able to access any any financial instruments or products or interact financially with uh, citizens of other nations, which is just another. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a that's a whole other thing. I mean, Eric, Eric's got his own his, his own viewpoint, but uh, I just thought that was, you know, it, it, it's a good it's a good point. It just makes you think a little bit about, uh, you know, like are these institutions like you know the the way that we we should be going as as a as a species as you know as a as a people. Right. Like, is it about, is it about just like, oh, how do we fit crypto into these laws that have been around for 70 years? Or is it, hey, maybe we should rethink this entire system, which really is step one of crypto in the first place, right? So why are we, why are we spending so much time and effort and all of this on how to, how to adapt it to, to something that doesn't even make sense in the first place versus rewriting the rewriting these entire ways of managing economics from from the ground up and yeah maybe it shouldn't have anything to do with various like like, yeah should a should a country be banned from interacting with crypto like no uh, probably not i mean that doesn't really make sense as far as a free and open uh economic system that that we're trying to build yeah, and you, you, there's no way to enforce that. Even it's a, you know, it's kind of yeah. like a. Well, I mean, that's kind of what that's why crypto was created in the first place, right? To to create a, a system that's completely sovereign and independent of any other uh, any other authority. So, uh, you know, uh, we it's not like we're not losing anything here. We we still have everything that we've uh, that we built. It's just a, you know, we'll see where this policy discussion goes. I just thought that was an interesting thing from this this last week. And if anyone has comments or wants to say anything. We definitely hit the hit the button and come up. Otherwise, we can just move on to <laughs> other updates. Yeah, there was one last little point that um, I think yeah. it was in the Voorhees article, but it was just how he was pointing out that that SBF, you know, like F, SBF and FTX can obviously abide and will abide by whatever law is passed. Blah blah blah. You know, they're gonna they're not gonna become some illegal business or whatever. They can absolutely still follow along with whatever happens, but why take such a stand to push it in this direction, right? Like why be team regulation and not be team crypto, even if you're running a major exchange that is following the rules, like he could be, he can be following the rules and fighting for the people hypothetically, right? Like kind of like um, Jesse Powell and, and Kraken and all of that. And kind of like explaining the, 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 the reality of what it means to be using a centralized exchange, right? Um, just an alternate approach. And it's, it's interesting to me that he takes the approach of like pushing this regulatory side forward rather than kind of being on team crypto. So the, the other part of what you were saying uh, is, is that like, obviously FTX has the resources to, to have like this, uh, you know, a- AML team and, you know, they, they, have, they have the resources to draft these, but like, they, obviously they have a lot, everyone knows they have a lot of financial resources and a lot of, a lot of skin in the game, obviously, but, you know, uh, well, let, let's say the, these laws passed right now, um, a lot of teams, especially the smaller teams and, and the teams that have, that have been around since the very beginning of, of Bitcoin, 
they're they don't have these resources to actually compete against these you know giant financial institutions and uh you know i that it's it's anti-competitive in that nature where you know you need to have a certain amount of of funding to to start a wallet right (laughs) like uh you know back back in the day anyone anyone can make a wallet you you can still make a you, you and you can make this wallet or this other you know uh, DeFi app or whatever you want to make, but then you'd need uh, this entire regulatory uh, team built around it. And that, that's, that's people, that's, that's resources, that's a lot of money. And, you know, a, a small startup is something that, that something that's in the idea phase right now, it, it's not going to be able to get out there because they just, these teams just don't have the, the resources to, to uh, comply with, you know, to that extent. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it, it, it gives themselves a moat, right? Like it, if yes. they, if they're one of five teams that has the staff and the resources to actually comply with all of this stuff, then if they can close the doors on all the scrappy startups and projects and, and, and wallets and protocols and dApps and whatever, if they can just like put up a fence and say like, nope, you have to have millions and millions of dollars of, of legal resources available to even be able to play this game, or, or you go to jail, <laughs> then that like eliminates a lot of competition, like you said. So that, yeah, that's a. I think there's probably a lot of that going on. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what's happened in Q3 uh, of Thorchain. So there was a great article that was released this morning from the Thorchain Medium. Uh, it's the pin tweet on the top. Everyone should definitely check it out. It's uh, the Thorchain ecosystem update uh, for Q3. So pretty much everything that's happened. Someone's requested to come up. Let me get them up here first. It's Antoine from Cosmos Spaces. Hey, what's up? Hey, you can talk. Hey, hey. Good morning, good afternoon to everyone. Um, I have a question. I know that you use uh, Cosmos SDK to build your your platform, your blockchain, and it's 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 good. I really like TorChain, Rune, and everything that you have built with your product. But do you have in mind, like, enabling uh, someday Tendermint and joining the IBZ? Uh, there's definitely discussions about it. it. It's it's unclear like exactly what direction it's to go. There's people who want to import IBC assets, and then there's arguments against uh, imp- there's arguments against exporting Rune. There's arguments to only import from other chains. So it's unclear exactly what direction this will go. I, I think from from my like personal um, like uh, stance on this is I I think the way that this will end up going is uh so thorchain is this neutral um is this this neutral middleware layer it's it's its own sovereign app chain and i I think the way this will end up going is thorchain will eventually implement uh osmosis and have and and utilize ibc through osmosis so importing uh ibc assets on uh, osmosis chain rather than doing it directly on on Thorchain seems like the more secure way of of supporting IBC for the entire ecosystem without uh, opening up opening up Thorchain to to IBC. So I I, uh, I have a feeling that that's that's the way it's going to go. But there is uh, discussion on you know w- whether implementing IBC is the right way to go. There's some good Twitter threads that that Chad Barraford has put out. There's one uh, anti IBC one that that Pluto put out. Uh, Chad was also anti-IBC, and there's a great pro-IBC case that Orion put out. So there, there's a lot of different, like, opinions. It's, it's still being discussed whether, like, you know, the, the way to go on that. But I think, the, I think the best way to be the most inclusive to everyone in the ecosystem and also neutral is implementing IBC through uh, DEX aggregation on Osmosis. seems like it makes the most sense. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I understand that you, you have to, uh, like... Uh keep your sovereignty of, of your blockchain and that's understanding. But uh, connecting with the DEX, uh, with Osmosis, it, it's something that, that I en- enjoy to hear, you know? Because I like Torchain, 
And if someday I can like bring assets to my Cosmo Station wallet from Torchain, like when you 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 do uh, USDC on RAM with Axelor, uh, kind of that, um, it's nice, you know, because it's not grab BTC there. It's a BTC uh, that I can hodl and it's uh, swap it and, and trade it on, on Torchain uh, and other assets, not just talking about BTC. But thanks for the for the answer. Yeah, man. Uh, no, no problem. So, yeah, it's being it's being discussed. Um, there, there's no like finality on that yet, but uh, I, I think like I, I think it's very low chance we'll ever see Rune ever being exported to other chains. But I think that there's a possibility that one day uh, IBC could could open up on Thorchain to import assets. But um, you know, it, it's just like it's it's whole question of just design and whether uh, you know it, it's right for Thorchain. So it, it's still still in consideration but thanks for the question yeah real quick just to add from my perspective i feel that 95 percent of what we actually want is the ability to to swap between all these assets right we want to be able to go from an ibc asset into native bitcoin we want to be able to go from you know doge into random ibc asset right like to me unless i'm misunderstanding and i, I and want to understand like the the ibc argument that is the big piece of the puzzle and that can be solved through dex aggregation because a lot of the time uh just from my perspective like we see so many people asking and pushing for ibc and and i think we're all big fans of ibc but like it almost seems like the ibc crowd just wants to hear like oh thorchain did ibc yay like what but but what does that mean like what do we actually want here do we want rune on osmosis meaning export rune via ibc because that is possible um if there if, if it was decided to do that and or there's bringing ibc assets into thorchain which might be possible or you could just do dex aggregation um through atom or through osmo integrated into thorchain um and then what you mentioned about like doing it in the cosmos station wallet like okay that's a interesting perspective as well but yeah, I feel like we just need more clarity about like the the crowd pushing for IBC. Like, what is what is actually what people want? Um, feels to still be vague from my perspective. So, um, with you just reminded me of, of one point about this. So, um, think about if if Thorchain started implementing IBC and they were importing assets. Uh, we would have to start new, brand new liquidity pools for every single asset that that is imported into Thorchain. So there would need to be uh, a brand new, uh, you know, USDC uh, on on Thorchain via IBC pool, and there would need to be liquidity added and to to all of these different pools. Uh, so what re- what makes more sense for the actual user? And and obvi- obviously the u- a user wants to have the best swap rates. And Osmosis already is proven to be the uh, it's it's the leader in liquidity on in the IBC you know Cosmos ecosystem. So I, I think the way to to uh, really bridge the gap between you know swapping from Bitcoin or any Thorchain supported asset to any IBC asset. Uh, is completely doable just with dex aggregation and just aggregation through osmosis because that's that's really what the end user wants and i think that's the best way to get to the end goal of being able to swap freely between these ecosystems rather than importing all to Thorchain, having to start new liquidity pools having to grow those very, very deep uh it, it's going to be a lot uh a lot cleaner to get to the end goal to just import from other chains yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I think that Axelar could be the a key on all these things because it's such a good bridge. But I was just uh, talking, uh, asking this question because I know Rune, I know how Torchain works and it's, it does really good. I really want to have the chance to avoid success as much as I can. And I have another question um, related to that um, about the... If I want to put money on Torchain, there's a way to don't do it like buying Rune on Binance or another uh, another sex or or is it a way to like use my credit card with a platform that you have already built or something or do you have that in mind? Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's- sure. So so Thorchain, uh, you can go on any Thorchain front end like Thorswap, and if you have a credit card, you can buy Bitcoin with that credit card. 
and then just use ThorSwap or any other front end like Thor Wallet, DeFi Spot, a, you know, Edge Wallet, you name it, and then you could swap to native Rune right in those apps. So you, if you have Bitcoin or Ethereum or you know any supported asset, just go on one of these front ends and you can swap to Rune if you want to buy Rune. Or um, you know a a service that the Atom integration has already kind of given to the IBC world in a sense. I mean, you can already just go from any of your IBC world assets, uh, go to Osmosis, like convert over to Atom, and then once you're at, for, once you're in Atom, then now that is a direct link to any native asset supported into Thorchain. So if you already have your favorites on ramp in the IBC world, you're like a big fan of, of that area, you already have a pretty direct path to getting to any native asset integrated into Thorchain, including, of course, Rune, if you're just looking to buy Rune. Um, and then, yeah, as Cal mentioned, there's so, some front ends are supporting um, on ramps. Uh, ThorSwap's looking into that as well. So, um, but yeah, I think the beauty of Thorchain is like you don't need a Thorchain on ramp, right? Because Thorchain is just dealing in real native assets. If you just have whatever on ramp to Bitcoin, whatever on ramp to, um, you know, AVAX, whatever uh, IBC asset, then you already have a path outside of centralized exchanges within a couple of clicks to get to whatever asset you're actually trying to get. And I think that's really, that's really the goal is not to have this isolated Thorchain world that you need to on-ramp into the Thorchain world. No, it's just, it's bring your own asset. It's, it's get, get into the crypto world however you want, and then you're connected to everything you want. Nice, nice. Thank you. And by the way, about the, the Bitcoin, uh, you could just uh, buy Bitcoin right now and you can send that even to a chain called Nomic. And it's such a maybe a new chain on Cosmos and you can send Bitcoin directly to, to Nomic. And uh, that's another way to, to make it easier. So there's uh, the interoperability is not just about, uh, I know that you implementing Tendermint is like, um, leaving your your sovereignty and your your own governance systems and just putting there and in another kind of a structure that that you have built your own structure and I respect that um, so what uh, the, the the answers that you gave me are the right ones that I was expecting so I'm, I'm really grateful that that you have all those features and I'm, I'm such a boomer right now with Roma I have a bag but I have had a, like I have been busy in my in this ecosystem, this IPC thing, and, and need to explore more room because that thing with the credit card uh, it, it's such a, a nice move there, man. Because I, I respect Torchin, you know. Uh, there's a lot of products that try to pretend that they are building something uh, similar as you do. But you are the ones that are building the, the, the right shit, and, and I trust uh, your technology. Thanks for the, the answer. Thanks, Ben. Uh, sorry, profile too. If you do uh, Adam Spaces and you want to do a, a, a you know co collaborative space with with Thorchain sometime, just uh, just holler at at Chad Thoreau and we'll get it we'll get it set up. Thanks for we'll coming. Be on. Thanks. Sweet. So yeah, let's talk about some of the Q3 updates that have happened. Like there are honestly so many updates that it is like, it, it's crazy how much stuff has actually happened in, in Q3 of this year. Uh, so, all right, let, let's, let's quickly go through some of these, some of these updates. Uh, first thing is that the, the treasury is interested in funding a, uh, a senior developer, uh, a Golang a blockchain developer uh, to start to uh, continue maintaining Midgard. Uh, and that, that's starting at the, you know, at the end of this year. So th this quarter, they're looking to, to get to hire somebody uh, for maintaining of Midgard, which is the data middleware layer uh, that that posts endpoints up from from Thornode. Uh, you know, it, it does things like shows LP positions and it shows the APRs of, of pools and how much assets are in pools. And it's really useful to all the all the Thorchain front ends out there. So uh, if there's anyone that's interested in or, or know someone that might be interested in uh, maintaining Midgard uh, full time, then uh, let, let the Treasury know. There's instructions in the article. It's the pinned tweet on the top. So that is an important thing. So if you know if you know anyone, be sure to let us know. So 
some of these updates, let's go through. Uh, Avalanche Sea Chain, integrated. Gaia, done. Uh, order book wiring, order book manager, yield bearing since, and protocol owned liquidity. Uh, those are all being tested right now. Uh, the team is just going through all these features and making sure that they work as described and making sure, you know, just, just hammering out any, any bugs that might exist right now. So, uh, th- yeah, that, that's kind of the, the biggest things that are, that are upcoming and yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave the article. And if anyone wants to read it, uh, just, just click the link. You can see pretty much all of the major projects that are building on top of Thorchain right now and everything that they built in the past, three months and it's pretty incredible to see all this all this progress there's dozens and dozens of, of, of projects that are uh building on Thorchain, so it's great to see yeah it is really cool to look at that um that like map just thinking back a year year and a half ago how sparse that would have been <laughs> uh probably what like there would have been four things on it <laughs> so pretty cool to see the expansion of of, of that um I think we should get into, so you were talking about order books and, and yield bearing since again. So let's get into the, the protocol owned liquidity stuff, um, because that's kind of like the, the backbone, right? Before, before we are going to see yield bearing since, um, and you were saying you've, you've, you've kind of been diving deep in that. And... Yes. I've been diving deep into protocol and liquidity to understand how it works so I can explain it to all you guys. So, uh, let's get into some of the dynamics of protocol owned liquidity and like, so let's start off with why protocol and liquidity. So uh, everyone knows the synthetic asset yield feature uh, is going to exist where you can earn BTC on your BTC with no impermanent loss and other, other layer one gas assets as well. So that is coming. But in order to enable that, it uses synth- synthetic assets, which are on, on ThorChain. They're a, an asset which represents an underlying asset like synthetic ETH that has the same price as ETH, but they're backed by uh, they're backed by liquidity units in the liquidity pool. So they're backed by 50% rune and 50% of the, the like-kind asset. So uh, while they have the same price as the other asset like ETH, they are backed by 50% rune and 50% of, of that asset. So in order to scale this feature up, obviously we can't, you can't start issuing since past a, a certain point. Otherwise uh, there, there might become a, uh, an, an imbalance an insolvency on, on the pools. If the liability gets, if the liability gets too big as a, because of price movements, right? So protocol on liquidity uh, is coming into existence in order to take the stress off of the regular LPs and uh, to start the protocol reserve as a uh, as a regular LP. So the, the, the protocol reserve, which pays out block rewards to the nodes and to liquidity providers, uh, is going to start becoming a liquidity, a regular liquidity provider in, in the network. There's no special... Uh, you know, features or uh, anything like that. It's just a regular liquidity provider in the network. And that's to make the, the, the pools deeper and to take some of the stress off the regular LPs. So what happens when uh, someone adds Bitcoin to the layer one savings pool? So let's go through step by step and just kind of run through what happens when someone says, hey, I have one Bitcoin and I want to start earning yield on that Bitcoin. So first, the network checks to make sure that the protocol can take additional liquidity. So it checks the uh, the hard cap. Uh, there can't be more more rune in the pools than there is locked by the nodes. So that is the first check. And then the network checks the synths haven't exceeded the synth cap. Uh, the synthetic asset cap is currently 30% of the pool depth. So you can't mint... Uh, the, the market cap of that synthetic asset can't be greater than 30% of the depth of that liquidity pool. And so it, it'll check that, but the network will still allow user to mint since beyond the cap. And that is because of protocol and liquidity and also the slip base entry fee. So when you go to add that Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin is first swapped to Rune. So it does a, a simple... Uh, a simple swap to rune so that Bitcoin changes to rune. And then that rune is used to mint a synthetic Bitcoin. So 
you then receive an, an almost equivalent amount of synthetic Bitcoin, obviously minus slip fees. And then that synth BTC is locked up in the, the module. Uh, it, it's just a, another address that is owned by the protocol that, uh, that holds all of the synth BTC in some, some Thor address. Uh, and then liquidity is added to the, the, the Bitcoin savers pool. That's just a uh, accounting check there. And uh, the synthetic asset utilization increases. And then arbitra- arbitrage bots will then sell Bitcoin and buy Rune. So uh, that, that's just because when you're adding, uh, when, when you're taking Bitcoin out of the pool, uh, sorry, when you're, when you're adding Bitcoin into the pool and, uh, and then swap to Rune, there's a price imbalance. So uh, the arbitragers will sell Bitcoin and buy Rune. So uh, by, by the protocol, by someone adding a, uh, a la- layer one Bitcoin into the Bitcoin savers vault, it uh, puts a, uh, a buy pressure on Rune. So scenario two, uh, saver removes Bitcoin from the pool. So it's basically the same thing, but in reverse. So liquidity is removed from the Bitcoin savers pool. Since Bitcoin is removed from the saver module, uh, the synth BTC is burned for Rune, and then that Rune is swapped for uh, native Bitcoin, and then the Bitcoin is sent to the user. And in doing so, the synth utilization decreases, and arbitragers sell Rune and buy BTC. So that puts a sell pressure on Rune and a buy pressure on BTC. And that is those are the two scenarios when someone is adding uh, to this to a savers vault and leaving the, the savers vault. And protocol and liquidity uh, plays in there too, because protocol and liquidity is the mechanism which allows someone to mint synthetic assets past that that thirty percent cap. So let's go into what happens when protocol uh, decides it needs to add liquidity. So there is a uh, there there's a Mamir function which is the target synthetic asset depth, and by setting the target synthetic asset depth. Uh, the, the, the protocol will always try and maintain a synthetic asset depth around that amount. So let, let's say um, the, the BUSD pool is at uh, 30% right now, which is at the cap, and the target asset depth is 25%. Then if the protocol had liquidity in that pool, it'll start removing liquidity from that, from that liquidity pool until it reaches that target asset depth of 25% or there's, there's no more position left. So uh, the protocol owned liquidity is constantly adding and removing liquidity from the pool in order to attain that target asset depth. So well, let's quickly go into what happens when you add liquidity, when, when the protocol adds liquidity to the, the BTC Rune pool. Because a lot of people have asked this question about, like, you know, what's the dynamics of the, the, what are the, what's the buy and sell pressure when the protocol is adding liquidity into the pool and removing liquidity? So let's, let's uh, spell that out for you. So the first thing that happens is the network checks that it can add more Rune. So um, at, at, at this point, um, the synthetic asset, uh, utilization ratio would have been over the the target asset ratio. So the, the protocol says, hey, we need to add liquidity to decrease the synth- uh, utilization. So it checks the protocol and liquidity caps. Uh, there's a separate cap that can be set for that. So that way we can scale up protocol and liquidity instead of starting it uh, real high. Uh, so it checks that cap and it also checks the security hard cap where there, there can't be more... Uh, rune in the pools and there is bond into the nodes. So it checks both of those and says, all right, we can add liquidity to the network. Then rune is asymmetrically added to the Bitcoin pool. And it's a small amount per block that's configurable uh, to how much you want to actually add per block. So you can picture this as just adding a very, very small amount of rune per block. And the reason it does it every single block and in very small amounts is to decrease the amount of, of slip that's faced by the, the protocol. Uh, w- when you're adding very, very small amounts, you face very small amounts of slippage. So you're getting the maximum value for uh, what, what you're putting in. So this way, uh, yeah, it's a, you're not, when the protocol isn't actually getting less value than it's putting in. By putting in a, a couple of rune per block, every single block, uh, it, it's, it's getting much more liquidity units than it would otherwise get adding a lot at a time. And it's not really gameable in that way. 
So the, the protocol will continue to add liquidity until the synth utilization is within range of the target utilization or if one of the other checks fails. So if the uh, protocol and liquidity cap is reached or if the security hard cap is reached, then the protocol will stop adding liquidity. And then the last thing that happens is that arbitragers, uh, arbitrage bots, they will end up buying Bitcoin and, uh, and swapping, creating sell pressure on Rune. So when the protocol adds synthetic, uh, sorry, when the protocol adds Rune to these pools, it creates a, uh, a sell pressure on Rune. And now the network owns equivalent, uh, about half of the value of the Rune they put in, in uh, in that asset. So if they're adding, if they're adding rune to the Bitcoin pool, then about half of the rune that's put in, half that value, is now owned by the protocol in that other asset. So uh, through through this process, the protocol is owning uh, owning Bitcoin, owning Ethereum, o- owning uh, stable coins, and and all these other assets. So when the protocol adds liquidity to the network, it creates a small sell pressure on rune. And uh, the, the network starts to own external assets to the network. And uh, let, um, let's just go through one more scenario where the protocol removes liquidity from the pool. So it's, uh, it's basically the opposite. So the network starts to remove that um, liquidity. And, it, and since it added asymmetrically, it added rune, it can only withdraw rune. So it's withdrawing that rune very small amount per block, just just a couple of rune every single block until it reaches that target utilization. Uh, and th- th- when when th- when would it remove liquidity from uh, from a pool? It would do that once the synthetic asset utilization is too low. So let's say the target synthetic asset utilization is twenty five percent, and the pool is at twenty percent. The uh, the protocol can start removing liquidity from that pool in order to get back to that balance. So by removing liquidity, it is removing rune single sided from that pool. So it'll continue to to do that, and that creates a buy pressure on on rune because arbitragers need to sell. Uh, in the, in this example, if this is the Bitcoin pool, uh, they need to sell Bitcoin to create, and that creates a buy pressure on rune. So. Uh, it's a pretty robust system uh, that this whole protocol owned liquidity thing is, and it, it creates pressures on in, in both directions in order to, uh, you know, have a balance for the system in order to really underwrite this uh, single-sided savers vault. So I hope that was helpful to people to uh, help visualize the protocol and liquidity and single-sided yield dynamics and kind of uh, what, what happens to, to, to Rune and the other asset that buy and sell pressures as uh, as things happen with that because uh, it's, it's kind of confusing uh, but and that's this, this is what's being tested right now like the, the team is going through and is making sure that all these assumptions are true all these checks are being checked and that uh, all the accounting works and and things like that so uh, we're what the team is working on is we're just working on finalizing uh, all this, making sure all, the, all of these assumptions are true, everything works correctly. And then uh, sometime soon, we're going to put together a, well, I'm putting together right now a, a presentation to just kind of present all of the, uh, the, the final design and, and findings. And, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll probably take that to, to Discord soon. So uh, keep an eye out for that. That'll be, uh, you know, when the testing is wrapping up and we're about ready to ship, which is, uh, things are looking good right now. So I hope that was helpful. Yeah, very helpful. Thanks for that. Um, I definitely think, uh, you know, some diagrams, uh, maybe some video walkthroughs, stuff like that will definitely be helpful to to get our head around all of it. Because it, you did a really good job, but it is very confusing still. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving pieces and stuff that like, I think visuals will help to really understand. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Greg Gress's crypto, Chris, uh, just put out a awesome video on this about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. Um, let me see if I can pin it up here real quick because Chris does the, uh, the best videos here. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's, he's the, he's the goat for the, for that. I didn't realize he put one out. I missed that. So yeah, I'm sure that everyone should probably watch that. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh yeah, it looks like at the beginning of the month on, on the on the third. It just recently it was a Thorfi one, but um, he he did do a protocol and liquidity one uh, and a single sided yield. Um, so all right, I, I, that should be linked up top. It's uh, at grassroots crypto. No, sorry, at grassroots io on Twitter. So he's he's got a great YouTube channel and is you know uh, very knowledgeable about Thorchain. So he put out a, a really cool video. And uh, you know we'll have we'll have documents out before the release of single sided yield and uh, protocol and liquidity because you know these are all essential features that we need to you know everyone needs to be on the same page about especially uh, other protocols that are interested in integrating single sided liquidity like they're gonna need to know how how this stuff works and know that it's it's uh, it's safe and and actually works so uh, you know. Teams is working hard, gr- grinding on this stuff. So, uh, you know, yeah, we're we're excited for it. Protocol and liquidity. A- as I'm like doing the research, uh, like how how this stuff works and how it affects the price dynamics of Rune, uh, I I really like it because it's reflexive in, in both ways. It, it creates uh, it creates buy pressure on on Rune on the way down, and then it creates it creates sell pressure uh, on on the way up. And it but at the same time, it helps scale, uh, just adding liquidity into these pools. So I, I think. POL is a huge, huge plus to the network. And uh, I think that's uh, protocol and liquidity is going to end up being one of the, I, I think it will end up being one of the best things that actually uh, did happen to this network. Just considering the, when you consider the whole design of, of ThorChain and everything that it, uh, that, that it achieves in the, in the cross chain space, how, just thinking about it owning protocol and liquidity, basically ThorChain itself owning uh Owning a Bitcoin position, owning Ethereum position, owning stablecoin positions—that's uh, that's pretty bullish, in my, in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, we got our quest here from Muna. There's some questions in the uh, in the comments too. Uh, let's go. Well, let me just answer some of these questions. Oh, sorry, Muna. What's up? Hey, Chad. How you doing? Quick question. Um, How's it going? I'm good. Um, you were talking about the protocol on liquidity. And I was just wondering, you said it was 30% of the LP pool. Is it 30% of the LP pool apart from the synths? Because like, when you mint a synth, right, um, the protocol adds rune as liquidity. Or is it all the liquidity? in the LP pool. Yeah, so the 30%, that's the synthetic asset utilization rate. So that is how much synthetic assets can be minted relative to the depth of the pool. So if there's 100 million in the BTC pool, then 30 million synthetic BTC can be minted on uh, on Thorchain to get up to that that ratio. And if and if the the target there's a targeted rate that that uh, that the team will determine what this targeted rate is. The community will determine what this rate is that we're uh, trying to target to keep the the LPs safe. Uh, when the utilization goes above that, then the protocol will start adding liquidity to the pool, and there, there's no limit to how much that can that can grow. So if, as long as there's demand, uh, the protocol can can add liquidity to that pool. Okay, thanks a lot. I just wanted to confirm that. Good job, guys. Cool. Cool. Thanks. So some questions from the uh, from the chat on the bottom right. Uh, how's Haven integration going? I haven't heard much progress on on Haven integration. Um, last I heard on that was probably like a month or month and a half ago. The the right now the the focus is definitely on these these core features and not so much the the chain integrations right now. And now that uh, AVAX is is finally released, and you know, going through bug squashing on that. So, nothing new to report on any of the integration uh, fronts. The, the The focus is definitely on uh, sorry, the new chain integration fronts. The focus right now, at this very moment, is definitely on integrating Thorchain into other protocols, so proliferating outwards, and also just getting these these big features out, so we can also ship those out to to our partners too. Uh, because we think that's the that's that's the way that uh, we should go about growing Thorchain at this time. Uh, great sound quality, thanks. No, nothing's changed since the last week, but thanks. Uh, what's the volume distribution in Thorchain 
front ends and bots directly connected percent. Uh, I will say that uh, no one knows that answer because ThorChain doesn't actually track these metrics. Uh, all, all ThorChain does is track... Um, well, Dorchain does have a log of every single transaction that's come through it, but there's no way to actually determine the origin of each of these uh, transactions that come through Dorchain uh, because it, it's just it's just transaction on the blockchain. There's no actual way to determine uh, what the referral mechanism for that um, that transaction was, unless there was a referral fee. Uh, or affiliate fee attached to that transaction. So uh, th there are some dashboards that you could probably find to to see, um, you know, which transactions have affiliate fees on them. And then you could, but they, obviously those are pseudonymous as well. So um, it, it, I don't think there's a direct way to, to check uh, who, where, you know, where people are swapping on ThorChain. It's all, it's all fairly anonymous. Yeah, so even without the affiliate fees, some some interfaces were tacking on a, a number at the end of the memo and stuff like that, but none of that is required, like you said. So it, you would never know if there's some interfaces that aren't doing that or if some transactions are dropped doing that. But um, I think I think the, the the general concept is something that like you know people are thinking about, and hopefully we'll see better reporting for that to have a, a better general idea. There, there's Thor yield that I mean that's a that's a Thor swap related thing, so it doesn't show the entire spread of all interfaces. Um, but there's there's some metrics, and then yeah, like like Cap said, there's a lot on uh, uh, flip side and stuff like that. Like you'll find some some reporting. Yeah, if you're really curious, the best way to to find out is to go on flip side and do a query for all transactions that use an affiliate address and, and sort out from from there. So good luck. <laughs> Yeah, anything else that we want to talk about today? Anyone anyone else want to come up? Uh, questions about protocol and liquidity or integrations that have happened uh, recently? Eridonis, just, uh, I'll just, I'll plug this real quick. Uh, two days ago, he was at the uh, Edge Wallet headquarters and had a really, really great uh, presentation at uh, they, they, they have like, they, they meet ups fairly regularly in San Diego where their headquarters is. And, uh, yeah, Eridonis, just a, a true Thorchad through and through. So I uh, definitely check out this chat, uh, subscribe to the, the nine realms YouTube. If, uh, if you've not just to get all of these, uh, get all this content as it comes in, we post the Thorchain weekly update spaces there. So you can always check those out. And it's a great intro to, to ThorChain space to learn, uh, you know, or refresh the basics on how ThorChain works and why people should integrate it into their into their own products. Uh, so this is kind of coming off the tails of ThorChain being integrated as a swap provider on Edge Wallet. So uh, Raven Rebels. Hey. Thank you very much. Uh, Raven Rebels here from Sweden, uh, Northern Europe. A very nice uh, space. Thank you for hosting it. And in the very beginning, you had a discussion regarding regulations and cryptos and frontends. And I just want to throw in a little comment there, which is that in this global international world where we have hundreds of companies, uh, countries and markets and, and such, we, of course, have different regulations in each and every country. So a well-regulated, uh, <laughs> how to say, like a DEX or marketplace can be well-regulated in Sweden. It doesn't mean that it follows the regulations in Germany or in Belgium or in India. So I guess we will see lots of different regulations in the future, depending on the market. <laughs> that was my little comment. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, man, great point. Uh... Obviously, it's a, it's a global industry, which is why it's it's what's why it's so crazy to you know um, you know try and pin down regulations in, in one sector of the world because you know uh, while there will be some uh, regions that want to restrict economic freedom and you know stifle innovation and you know punish these small companies who won't, won't be able to afford to comply with these uh, with these regulations, there will be jurisdictions that 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 come up. Uh, that are that are very supportive and 
open and willing to willing to work with these uh, you know crypto startups and and things like that. So I get there's two sides to every coin, I guess. So it is a there's a bad side to it and a good side to it. I, I think that as long as you know, these innovations exist, which uh, they're not going anywhere, that there there will be legislation. Uh, you know, uh, there there will be regions that you know support our uh, our freedom here. Thanks for coming up. We got Antoine back up too. Hey. Hey, bro. Uh, I was just thinking about the the, the opportunity and the, the the collaboration you mentioned earlier. Um, it would be nice, you, you know. Uh, we in Cosmos Spaces try to do this thing in English, but in Spanish as well, because it's important for some people to to have the chance to understand these kind of protocols and kill this language barrier. So if you have a member in your team, like a dev, like a one that is it's not just a community member that knows really your tech, it would be beautiful to bring him uh, to a, a space in Spanish. It, it would be uh, nice, totally. We have a, a busy schedule in English, but of course we are considering this uh, collaboration. But wanted to, to tell you that. Yeah, um, actually, there, there is a fork of ThorChain that you might have heard of called uh, Maya Protocol. And the, uh, the, the I believe the team is, the, I, I know for a fact that one of the, the people on the team, Alux, is, uh, speaks Spanish fluently. Uh, I'm not sure about the rest of the team. I, I think it is very aligned with, uh, with you know, South America and you know, Spanish-speaking communities. So definitely check out Maya Protocol. They, they are super knowledgeable on ThorChain. I know Alux is in, in particular. So uh, if you ever want to get someone on speaking, speaking Spanish about ThorChain and about their own product, uh, Alux from Maya Protocol is a great person to reach out to. Thank you, thank you. That's it. And I'll, I'll be listening here. Nice, nice space, by the way. Sweet. Thanks, man. So yeah, um, definitely su uh, subscribe on YouTube if, if you have not uh, to the Nine Realms YouTube where we post these spaces. I, I'm, I'm trying to just up the game posting these spaces. Uh, you know, we've been posting them on Spotify and wherever you can get your podcast, but now we're also putting them up on YouTube Been adding uh, closed captions so you can just scrub through if you, if you don't if you're not one of those people that likes to come in here live, then you can just, you know, catch it on YouTube and look at the look at the transcript and then scrub through to exactly the, the timestamp where you want to go to see what you, uh, uh, what you're interested in. So, uh, you don't have to sit through these whole things if you don't want to, but still get the, 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 the full update on, on what's going on in, in the community. So I hope that's helpful to everybody. And if there's like other suggestions for these, these spaces and what you guys would like to see, then for sure, let us know. Cause we're, we just want to create, good good products for for the community and uh we, we love doing these spaces and we want to make them as good as possible so uh you know any feedback anyone has is always appreciated but yeah anyone else want to come up or yeah, anything else chad otherwise we can wrap up uh nothing too much comes to mind um yeah we can we can see for a second if anyone wants to request I mean, on the on the ThorSwap side, we're like really, really doubling down on on the partnerships for for the API and really trying to make that a, a huge priority. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, get plugged in as the back end into more apps and wallets and um, things like that. So that's kind of like taking precedent as as the number one focus, which is which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, same on the nine realm side. Like the, the focus is really just on the integrations right now because. I, I think I think a lot of us can see that that is the future of where where Thorchain is going to be this you know permissionless backend that any app can can use to to get access to Bitcoin liquidity to Ethereum liquidity to AVAX liquidity, Atom liquidity like all, all of the above. It's great it's great rails that we can replace a change now, change lead, change whatever you want, right? So. Uh, you know, that, that, that's where Nine Realms and ThorSwap are, are, are taking things. And, you know, we're glad to work with you guys on that. Big, big things, things, big things coming up.
hundred percent. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of really good conversations happening and with a lot of different teams at once. So we'll hopefully start to see a lot of announcements and things like that flown out. Um, another thought I've been having on that, which is, uh, interesting is just like with, with the bear market and, you know, with, with volumes down with prices hurting stuff like that, of course, um, you know, like this integration thing is probably the most um, promising thing to do in a time like this, right? Uh, for a couple of reasons. One being like, what's hypothetically, what's going to 10x the volume on Thorchain, like while the entire market is hurting and like no one's around, right? It's like, okay, uh, is it, is it, is it marketing? Is it just like yelling about Thorchain and getting more people to, to, to try to use it? Um, you know, probably not. Maybe that works during a bull market where there's thousands of new people being exposed to things every single day. But, but right now, you know, with partnerships, like you land a couple of big partnerships and that really does have the, the potential of, of, of getting the volume cranking, even in like a rough market time. And then obviously that would just go exponential when, when the market is, is ripping again. So, um, yeah, I just think it makes a lot of sense with the timing, especially to, to really be doubling down on that building, building in the bear. Yeah, and I, I've never seen more interest in actually implementing Thorchain as a as a service to these for these other apps to use. Like the, the interest is actually just like off the charts on like who actually wants to uh, implement Thorchain. So you know th- things are looking real, real, real good on that front. Indeed. Sweet guys. All right. Um, yeah, Friday is at at twelve p.m. Uh, 